Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And we now know uh, who will be coming to Lambeau Field next Sunday afternoon for the divisional playoffs, and it is the most difficult opponent they could have possibly faced, that being the 12-4 and Dallas Cowboys, coming off um, a somewhat impressive come-from-behind victory over the Detroit Lions. We're going to have a little bit of an abbreviated show today. The Packers had a bye week. We don't have bye weeks here at Great and Gold Forever, but we have like half week, so we'll probably get pulled since it's a, it's a meaningless week, so... We'll have the first half, and then and then we'll get pulled. But, uh, Matt, the song I used at the intro was Hello, Goodbye by the Beatles, um, partly because I'm not quite sure how to feel about this upcoming matchup, and also it happened to be the number one song in the country the last time the Dallas Cowboys played at Lambeau Field in the playoff game, which, of course, was the Ice Bowl. So I thought that was a, a nice. kind of a fun touch. How are you feeling uh, with uh, six days to go before they play? I'm feeling pretty confident at this point, I think. I, I don't know if maybe the game yesterday gave me a little bit more confidence. I, that offense, obviously going into Detroit, um, which is a tough defense, didn't look quite as explosive as I thought. Des Bryant seemed to get shut down fairly easily for most of the game. I um, I don't know. I I think they're a very good team, but I feel like we match up well against them. It's not one of these teams like even a Carolina or a Detroit, had they been coming into to Lambeau, I might almost feel worse. Mm-hmm. I, I think Dallas is the better team, but I just feel like it's a better fit for us to potentially win this game. Yeah, and I think it being Monday, we'll have to talk about this game assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be close to Aaron Rodgers' level. Yeah. Um a lot can change before Sunday. I mean, I would be shocked if he didn't play, but they're not sure about him practicing and whatever. But, I mean, if he was able to go on one week after that Tampa Bay Bucks game, um, I know he re-aggravated it against Detroit, but I think he'll be able to play. Yeah, I, I, I guess we saw a lot of Cowboy games this year, and I wasn't all that impressed with their defense. Tony Romo had a really nice season, but he still looked like Tony Romo out there at times. I mean, even last week, or uh, the week prior against the Redskins, he had just a boneheaded interception. And I know they're 8-0 on the road, but, you know, playing at Lambeau is different than playing some of the other places they played this year. Uh, their road wins are at Tennessee, at the Rams, at Seattle, which obviously is huge, uh, at Jacksonville, at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Eagles, at the Redskins. Uh, wow, so, so really two good wins in there. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> I... I don't think that's a little bit overplayed, and I think you're right. I think they match up well, and from a personnel standpoint, uh, it almost took somebody saying it to, um, I think it was Jordy Nelson, I was just watching some Packers shows before uh, we started recording here, but he said they have almost the same personnel that they had last year when we played them. Doesn't that Flynn game feel like a 100 years ago? Yeah. Uh, and if Flynn could do that against that Dallas defense, you got to think Aaron Rodgers can do something somewhat similar. Yeah, and the defense is obviously much improved from last year. The personnel may be the same, but the scheme is way different. They were running just a complete like caveman defense last year, and it was it was the worst yeah. pretty much of all time. So I definitely think they're improved there. I think they're utilizing their players a little bit better. But yeah, obviously we've got Aaron Rodgers. So I I think if Flynn can do it, I think that defense is so vulnerable. Um, I, I like our offense better than I like Dallas's offense, and I like our defense better than Dallas's defense. So I just feel like the mat, the combination of those two things, it just leads me to believe that we can put up points against our defense. And I, I have more confidence in this defense than I have in years past. Yeah, I think I agree with uh, just about everything you said there. They're almost clones of one another, except the Packers yeah. are almost better in every area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Dallas's strengths... 
are maybe Des Bryant, which Jordy Nelson is obvious, or um, not obviously, but arguably his equal. DeMarco Murray's an upgrade from Lacey, but it's not like Lacey's five steps below him. Right. So I, I think, yeah, I, I have, and, and I think the Packers honestly have more playmakers on defense, so, and they're at home. So we'll see what happens. They certainly could lose. I'm not going to be completely shocked if they lost, but uh, I think confident is the word you used, and I'll agree with that. I'm confident that the Packers will win, and we'll be moving on to the NFC Championship game. Let's talk briefly about some of the other games on Wild Card Weekend. Honestly, besides the Pittsburgh game, I don't think there was a whole lot of surprises. I know we both picked the Bengals, but we didn't know A.J. Green was not going to play. Yeah, I got every game wrong, so not good there. But had we picked the games a little closer, I probably would have switched to them. I definitely would have picked the Colts without A.J. Green playing. And uh, once I knew that Lindley was starting for Arizona, which I thought Stan might play, I would have switched that too. That was about the worst (laughs) offense I've ever seen. Yeah, and Carolina's still kind of getting this buzz as this up-and-coming team, and ooh, they're a dangerous team right now. I wasn't all that impressed with them either. I I thought Cam Newton could have had 800 yards passing if he didn't just throw some of the most inaccurate passes I've ever seen. Yeah, their defense looked pretty good, but it's hard to really gauge that against an offense like that. So Mm -hmm. their offense sure doesn't look good, and I'm curious to see if they can get anything going against Seattle. I, I think their defense can slow down the Seahawks a little bit, but I don't know how they put up points against them. Well, I mean, like we talked about last week, that the two games they've played against one another have been super low scoring, and arguably Carolina would have won both of them if they could have just stopped the final Russell Wilson drive. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I still don't think Carolina will beat them, but I like their chances better than I liked Detroit's and certainly more than I liked Arizona's. So uh, for the Packers' standpoint, if there's any hope of getting an NFC Championship win at Lambeau, um, I, I think yeah, I think Carolina's the best option for that. Okay, I might take Detroit in there instead, but I, I yeah. guess I won't argue too hard for that. With Matthew Stafford and the way he lobs everything up there and can't seem to hit an ocean with a football right now? Yeah, he's not much of an upgrade from Cam Newton, but might be a little bit. Yeah, at least Newton can run, I guess, is maybe my only thought. The Bengals stink. They need to be banned from the playoffs. I know A.J. Green was not in, but Andy Dalton was horrible. Um, I know we have some questions on Facebook that address some of these, so we'll get to those in a bit, but... For the fourth year in a row, I have gotten bored during playoff football, and it's all the Bengals' fault. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, their offense was so weird, and I know they were missing weapons, but they were just so uber conservative. And, and Dalton didn't play well, but it, and I don't know if there was, this was him or the play calling, but it just seems so conservative. It's, it's almost like they, you know, they didn't expect their opposition to put up any points, which obviously with the team they were playing wasn't going to be the case, and. And it's it's kind of a weird reaction from like the media world is is you know most people like us are thinking that you know Dalton didn't play very well and you know he's he's definitely not an elite quarterback but it just seems like everybody in the media is rushing to his defense immediately yeah. before there was even any negative reaction and and although he's looked bad in all these games they're just well you can't judge him on this you know back in our day they didn't judge people on playoff success and it's not his fault <laughs> it's just it's just this like rush in of people I don't know if he's just the nicest guy in the world but everybody just seemed to be coming to his defense. Even during the game, the announcers were Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, at the end of the game, before it was even over, Nance and Sims were already like, oh, well, Dalton played great today. I mean, 155 yards, but it was tough. You know, I'm like, give me a break. No, he was brutal. And in addition to not being very accurate and not being very decisive, 
he didn't seem to play, I hate to use buzzwords, but situational football. I, I texted uh, our sister Bethany when she was watching the game, and I said, I might have texted you the same thing, I said, do the Bengals realize that on third and four they only need four yards? It felt yeah. like the whole first half he was throwing bombs, and they weren't even close. And so I, yeah, I don't understand that. Like the whole, they were so quick to defend him. It was Peyton Manning-esque in, in how people were coming out of the woodwork to say, oh, no, Peyton's still the best of all time after he got destroyed in the Super Bowl last year. But, uh, you know, Peyton I can understand. Andy Dalton, who uh, I texted you this, or I can't remember. I just am using my phone all day. But I think I tweeted it, actually, that Dalton has had 43 points scored in four total playoff games, which is just pathetic. Yeah, really bad. I mean, for somebody who's getting paid like that, and you, you can go back to this with a few of the the playoff teams. It's like you'd kind of like to get rid of the guy, but you've got no better options. So I mean, you're you're basically stuck with him for a few more years. So we're probably going to keep seeing the same thing here year after year. They make the the wild card round and have these kind of terrible games to watch. Yeah, for sure. So somebody rise up and get the Bengals out of the playoffs, please, because it's just awful, awful. Or maybe Gradkowski can beat him out, beat him, beat him out in training camp next year. <laughs> we can watch him instead. That might be better. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see somebody get a chance. I don't care who it is. Get Boomer Esiason again. I don't care. <laughs> um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not expect them to be so punchless without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they had the second best defense in the NFL or uh, offense in the NFL. Just. Big Ben had one of his greatest seasons, and now you take the running back away, and even Big Ben, Antonio Brown, they had a really dynamic passing game all year, and it was completely destroyed by not having that extra dynamic. Yeah, kind of strange, but I guess it, it makes sense. If you look at the last few years, they haven't been making the playoffs, and it wasn't really till this year that Le'Veon Bell became you know, quite as big of a piece of the offense. So clearly they were missing something without him that he... Sure. He gave them and put them over the edge. So I guess, I mean, that's a big piece of your offense to miss. And they this is definitely the best offensive year they've had in a long time, and I think it had a lot to do with that. So but I was still surprised. Even without Bell, I thought Pittsburgh would win. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think Baltimore was a very good team, but they definitely looked like the better team. Yeah, I, I have a bad uh, feeling that playoff Joe Flacco is here, and he's going to ruin I'm scared, the too. I, I just get, watching that game, I just got the sense that Baltimore is going to be in the Super Bowl again. Ugh. Who they they got New England so hopefully uh, but they've stymied a very legendary Patriots offense in the past I think the 2012 Patriots were like the second or third highest scoring team in league history and then the Ravens with their awful you know one of the worst defenses they ever had with Ray Lewis held them to 13 points so uh man if they win the Super Bowl again then there needs to be a three team playoff ban no Giants no Bengals no Ravens stay out of the playoffs yes. And if, if it's Carolina against Baltimore, the only way I'll ever watch football again is if regular season tickets are free. Because that's ridiculous. Ugh. Come on, good teams. <laughs> um, let's go right to Facebook here. So we, we want to have a short show today. We don't have a ton to talk about, and uh, we both got other stuff we got to get to. So I reached out on Facebook and asked some of our fans if, uh, uh, if they wanted to contribute to the show at all. And we got three really good uh, comments and uh, a few topics within those. So... Daniel Johnson, uh, one of our great fans, started. He'd, he'd like us to discuss the controversy from the Lions versus Cowboys game. Uh, I asked him to clarify what that meant. Uh, he never got back to us, but I assume he means the pass interference flag. Did you see that, Matt? I did, yep. What did you think of that? I, I definitely thought it was pass interference, I guess. I I don't know if there's been a rule change, but it seemed like definitely, what do they call, face guarding, I guess, or shielding. Yeah, 
I mean, there wasn't a whole, there was a little bit of contact, not much, but if if that's still a penalty, which as far as I know it is, I mean that was textbook that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a flag, and I don't know who decided to pick it up. But I think that whole game to me felt like those refs were super one sided, and I would I I was kind of on the fence with who I was rooting for, so I didn't really care either way, and it it definitely seemed kind of lopsided. And then right after that, you have Des Bryant running on the field arguing without a helmet, no flag from that either. It was just kind of strange. Like, you felt if it was in Detroit, that would have went much different. Yeah, I didn't see the Des Bryant part, and the face-guarding thing is the first thing I thought as well, and I was okay when they picked up the flag. I I wasn't outraged or think it was this horrible thing, because it definitely was the face-guarding deal, but he didn't really do anything to him. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I was reading uh, one of the Packers.com uh, columnists, uh, Vic Ketchman, was talking about it today, and he said that as far as he knew, that face guarding wasn't an actual rule, unless, like, face guarding's a rule if it's, like, legit pass interference where you got sure. your, like, hand on the guy's face. Um, if you're just with your hands up, allowing a clear path for the ball to the receiver, and you're not touching him, and you don't have your head turned, that's not a flag. That's just okay. another way to cover it. Yeah, something. and I haven't had a much of a chance to listen to any sports radio today. I'm sure there's been people clarifying that, because I'm sure the league had some reaction to that, but I didn't get a chance to hear it. But, yeah, I mean, it's something we've always heard about, but isn't called that often, so I don't think it's something there's ever been a lot of focus on. But just like anything that's kind of ambiguous, there's going to be an instance where it's brought to the spotlight, and I guess that's where that happened yesterday. Well, there'll be a face-guarding emphasis next year, where anytime anybody's running towards a receiver that's past them, it'll be pass interference. (laughs) I'm sure that'll be their solution. Uh, Brian Dinsey, another one of our great fans, uh, says, discuss Carolina's chance of beating Seattle and if you feel Marvin Lewis is fired. So I think we addressed the Carolina chance of beating Seattle. Uh, as far as Marvin Lewis being fired, I guess I could start here. This is you hate a- Marvin Lewis, don't you? Do I, I hate Marvin Lewis? Yeah, I, haven't you wanted him fired for like five straight years now? Kind of, but I also <laughs> like the, the stability yeah. uh, aspect, but... At some point, I think you got to make a move. I mean, it's clear they've plateaued. I don't know. You're the Bengals, and I don't have it in front of me, but you got to think that he has at least half of all of the Bengals franchise playoff appearances. Because um, I'm trying to think. Sam Weish had one or two. So we got two, two, and then I think there was a couple in the 70s with Paul Brown. So I think it's probably about even where Marvin Lewis now has six playoff appearances. It's hard to get rid of him, but, man, he's had two different cycles of personnel now, like major overhauls. Those Bengals that won the 05 division are nothing like the Bengals that lost yesterday. And I think he's a good coach, and I would be weary of getting rid of him, being that you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you don't have a great tradition of winning, but... Gosh, at some point, you gotta win playoff games, and I think you gotta make a choice. You can't just maintain the status quo here because you've lost it to a bunch of different opponents all the same way. Very lopsided, boring games. So I think either Lewis has to go, and if you want to keep Lewis, then you gotta get a new quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you keep him just because he's he's gotten you there so much, and I think he did a really nice job in the regular season this year. I don't think that, I mean, their, their team is good, but they're always in the top four of, of the teams we look at in the AFC as being the best team, and then for whatever reason in the playoffs, they just completely crumble. Mm-hmm. But I think unless you can get a guy like a, well, Jim Harbaugh is gone, but a guy like Doug Marone or one of these other big-name guys where you think he could maybe just give you that surge to get you over the edge, I don't really know what else you expect. I mm-hmm. I don't think this team, even with a, a great coach, is better than New England or Denver or 
you know, or maybe even like Pittsburgh right now. So I don't know. It's a tough one. I think if I'm the GM, I keep them around, but I maybe keep my options open. Yeah, you definitely need a major personnel overhaul to vastly improve that team, I would think, at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, and the last uh, comment we had was from Eric Hansen. He's got a few topics for us here. Eric, one of our great fans as well. Uh, he said, if the Packers make it to the NFC Championship game where they have to play Seattle in Seattle and they play a competitive game but end up losing and Seattle goes on to win the Super Bowl, will you still be satisfied with this season? I'll let you go first on that one. I'm saying yes from right now, but I know something happens in that game that makes me absolutely furious and then I hate this season forever now <laughs> after it happens. <laughs> I mean, you look at the team and the roster and the personnel and how the year's gone, and you feel like they're a really good team, but probably not an elite team yet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it seems fitting that this is the kind of team that loses in the NFC Championship game. That seems about right. But just going to Seattle against a team I hate right now, against Russell Wilson, I just know that once that game rolls around, I'm going to be so fired up that if they lose it, I'm going to be crushed. So <laughs> I guess impartial week before or a week and a half before me potentially says that I think it would be a success, which mm-hmm. is probably the best way to gauge it is now rather than after. But I think after I'll change my mind. Yeah, I think if they lose in Seattle, it like you said, it all depends. I mean, if they lose competitively is one thing. Like, let's say they lose, like, the uh, the 95 championship game against Dallas where they, they play really tough and they just kind of let it go at the end or whatever. But if they lose, like, fourth and 26 or fail Mary or something like that, ugh. Yeah, that that one just stings for a long time, and you could compare this to '95 in some regards, but at the other end of it, '95 felt like an up-and-coming team. I don't think there's anybody in the world that felt they were done after they lost that '95 game. I mean, almost instantly before Dallas even played the Super Bowl, not only in Wisconsin but Sports Illustrated, the whole world was like, okay, but the Packers are going to win it next year. Everybody yep. knows that, and. We're at the end of six straight playoff appearances. At some point, that has to end, uh, you would think. I mean, I know New England's been doing it forever, but we're getting into uncharted waters, not only for Packers history, but NFL history. Teams don't go to the playoffs 10, 20 straight years in a row. I mean, that's super rare. You can count on one hand. It's the Patriots, it's San Francisco, it's the Landry Cowboys, and I don't know if this team is at that level uh, right now, but... I think I would still be satisfied with this season. Uh, the prospect of them losing on Sunday is one that makes me more concerned. How do you view this season if they lose Sunday? Yeah, that's uh, a big one. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a better question even because I, th- I think that's you look at the season more of a disappointment than because you lost in your first game again yeah. against a team, you, although they're very, very good, you, you feel like you should beat. And I, I think that completely changes my tune. I think if you lose in Dallas, especially if it's not a, a, that close of a game, it's. Uh, I think I look at the season as kind of a disappointment, kind of like you do again with the eleventh uh, season. Yeah, and, and but it, and it's one of those frustrating disappointments that you can't really do anything about. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. So. Uh, you're not going to get rid of the quarterback. You're not going to get rid of the coach. You obviously don't need a major talent overhaul, but it'll be the what the fourth time in five years that they've had a one-and-done or whatever, third time in five years, whatever it is, since 2009. They've had a lot of one-and-dones for a team that good, so it would be very, very frustrating. Okay, number two from Eric Hansen. Uh, What is more important in the offseason, re-signing Cobb or re-signing some of the offensive linemen whose contracts are almost up? Do you know which ones of those are up at this time? Uh, I know Ulaga's is up. I don't, but I believe the only one who's tied up long-term is Josh Sitton. Okay. 
which is probably your most important cog. But I mean, you've got a lot of good players on the line that you'd like to re-sign. I, that's a really good question, actually, too, because you you want to protect Rodgers, and he took a lot of sacks early in his career, and it's gotten better, and you'd like to keep this line intact. But you know, we can't afford to lose another weapon right now, or we have basically one left in the in the passing game, and that's just not good. I I think that's an easier position to replace instantly than mm-hmm. a, than an offensive lineman, but. Man, I mean, it depends on what the cost comes at, but I'd, I'd say Cobb's probably priority one. But mm-hmm. if it means that you don't get to sign a couple of linemen because of it, then maybe, maybe I change my mind. Yeah, I think you got to get Cobb this off season, and you got to worry about those guys later. Uh, yeah, and see, hope the money comes somewhere because you got to think that Julius Peppers is going to leave after next year or the year after that. That's going to free up some money, and. I, I like everybody on the line. They're they're fun guys. They're all really solid. Uh, Mike McCarthy has said repeatedly that he feels this is the best offensive line they've had in his time here. But outside of sitting, I think if Bakhtiari keeps on this track, maybe after next year, he you definitely have to have yep. with the kind of offense. But as much as I love TJ Lang and Brian Bulaga, you can find other TJ Langs and Brian Bulagas or guys that are at least close. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't have a horrible one, but for the, for the longest time, Ted wasn't very good at drafting linemen, and now he's hit quite a few really good ones in a row. Uh, if you think about, you know, Lang, Bulaga, Bakhtiari, and Lindsley have all been drafted uh, since 2010 or more recent than that. So I think that as much as you like TJ Lang, I think you got to roll the dice that he goes elsewhere. I think Corey Lindsley, you got some time with him. Bulaga, I would let go. He's going to be a free agent after this year, but I would pay Cobb and then pay Bakhtiari whenever that time comes and the rest fall how it may. Sure. And then lastly, he has any favorite memories of Stuart Scott from the time he did the Monday Night Football postgame or pregame show. Uh, I think everybody who listens to this show probably knows by now that Stuart Scott, the longtime ESPN personality, passed away from a longtime battle with cancer yesterday morning. So, uh, Matt, do you have any specific memories or just any overall uh, things you want to say? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of that when I read that question and anything specific. I guess I can't really think of anything too specific, unfortunately. I don't have a great story or anything. But, I mean, you and I grew up in his heyday. I mean, we were watching SportsCenter every day when he was on you know, doing his thing every day. So Him and Rich Eisen is like the first, some of my first sports memories. Yeah, and then him and Scott Van Pelt when they were a team, when it was Stuart Scott Van Pelt, that was oh, one yeah. of my favorite <laughs> combinations of all time, too, on there. So I, I guess I don't have anything specific that stands out, but, I mean, we grew up with it. Though I mean, the way that he commentated was what we grew up listening to and got used to, and it, it definitely changed the way they did stuff there. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's sad. It's It kind of makes me feel like when... Um, uh, the, the NFL films. Oh, Steve Sable. Steve Sable. I mean, it's just a, a big part of your, you know, your sports and your childhood and everything that you watched up growing and getting used to, and it's it's hard to see it go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with all that. I, I don't know if I have a specific memory either. I think, like I said, him and Rich Eisen uh, back in the day. Uh, him and Dan Patrick were also a really good team that was yeah. the sports center after Sunday Night Football in the early 2000s when we were really kind of getting old enough to stay up late and watch all the games and whatnot. and Just kind of a fun personality that he always injected life into whatever show that was on. I mean, even if you're watching boring highlights of something you don't really care about, he always kind of would throw off a one-liner that would 
make you crack up. And I know today is about him, and some of the tributes that I read about him almost brought you to tears. This was so the way he was off camera as well uh, just really got to you. And it's sad to see something like that happen. But uh, yeah, just kind of a whole you know nod to him but also that era of uh, ESPN is something that I really wish would return because I try to watch Sports Center wishing it was Dan Patrick and yeah. <laughs> you know and even you know Stuart Scott and even guys sort of after that like Scott Van Pelt and John Anderson and and it's just not quite that anymore <laughs> it's kind of like Saturday night live right i mean you like yeah. you look back on the glory days it's like yeah like the 90s and 80s were awesome and the 2000s were okay and now it's just like something completely different like all these no name guys it's just like it seems like they have all these up and comers that try it out and then end up doing something else and they just kind of rotate guys all the time there aren't those those guys on there that are still doing it every day that you know and you listen to every day and get used to. Yeah, you're watching it like this is good, right? I'm entertained. This is this is what I want to be watching right now, and <laughs> you, you, you're trying to convince yourself more than you're having a genuine uh, enjoyable time. So uh, definitely, our our hearts go out to uh, his family and everything. Uh, uh, but yeah, he'll be missed for sure. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we've gone longer than we anticipated. I just have a one really quick uh, topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, any reactions you had on the college football playoff, um, I guess, the concept, and then uh, who do you think is going to win? I thought it worked out pretty well. I, I, after watching the TCU game, you kind of wish that they had a crack at one of these teams, too, just to see what would have happened. But I, I still think they made the right choice of the four, so I'm not too upset about that. Mm-hmm. But I thought uh, the Oregon game didn't shock me too much, maybe a little more lopsided than I thought. But that Ohio State game, I thought that was really, really impressive with your third-string quarterback. <laughs> How does Alabama let that happen? I, yeah. I know um, their quarterback has been that great all year, but he looked bad and Ohio State's defense looked phenomenal so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see that game I think Oregon's a, a, a favorite at this point but I think yeah. Ohio State could surprise some people for sure I mean they they killed Wisconsin and nobody does that I mean yeah. obviously they beat Auburn they hung in there with LSU um, that just doesn't happen in Wisconsin so I think this Ohio State team's for real yeah I agree I, I still think Oregon's gonna win but if another Ohio State upset wouldn't greatly uh, shock me I mean uh, a defense like Arizona was able to hold Oregon to what 17 or 21 yeah. in uh, Eugene, so we'll see what happens there. The main thing I thought of, the the big talk was the SEC is dead with uh, Wisconsin beating Auburn, and then um, uh, they just had a horrible time in that Big West division that was stealing all the top spots on the rankings throughout the year. Both of the Mississippis got crushed. I think, yeah, I think they were 0-5 to start. I don't know where they're sitting now. Well, the SEC East was 6-0, and but the SEC West was 0-5 or something like that. Yeah. Um, they, they got some pride back in the prestigious Tax Slayer Bowl and Birmingham Bowl. They won both of those after New oh, Year's Day. So SEC is coming back, obviously. My first thought was not the SEC is dead. My thought was how many of those boring Alabama teams and boring LSU teams would have gotten knocked off by Oklahoma or Oregon or Oklahoma State or Stanford if they had been forced to play for the title game. And I bet you it's a lot more than, you know, it it wouldn't have been six or eight straight appearances in the BCS title game, that's for sure. I don't know what num- the number is, but there's no way that some of those boring nine points a game offenses that were supposedly only that bad because of the greatness of the SEC defenses. I bet you throw 2001 LSU against Oregon in a big-time January game, they get run off the field with that sure. crap offense. Yep. 
Um, so we'll see what happens going forward. But I'm kind of glad that the Big Ten's starting to, to build up, and then the, the SEC is kind of coming down a little bit. I still think they're obviously a great conference, but uh, it'll it'll be nice to maybe see that in the rankings more, where Mississippi State doesn't beat Georgia Southern 35 to three in the first game and then vault 10 spots like they right. have been the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely a shift coming. I think we might even see the Pac-10 get a, a little more first-place votes or, uh, or higher top-10 votes next year. And, mm-hmm. and obviously the Big Ten with, with Harbaugh coming in, they're definitely on the rise, and the SEC goes down a little bit. So even if it's not much and just a temporary thing, it's it helps with recruiting. It maybe helps kind of bolster the conference up. And us both growing up watching Big Ten, I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, too bad we got to sit through a whole bunch of friggin' basketball before we can watch uh, more uh, college football yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> But and it's negative three. Oh man, the football season's going to be over, and then it's going to be just the worst time of year. Just ever. cold and miserable. Yeah. Well, hopefully it won't be cold and miserable at Lambeau Field on Sunday, and the Packers can uh, keep the best part of the year going on a little bit longer. Uh, Matt and I will make our picks for the playoffs uh, on the Facebook page this week. Uh, we're going to wrap up right now. Thanks everybody for joining us, and uh, hope you enjoy the playoffs this week. Uh, real quick, Matt, we'll pick the Packer game. I know we pretty much elaborated on it before, but. Um, what do you think? Uh, put your money on the table. Uh, I'll say, hmm, I'll say thirty-one twenty, Packers. Packers. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty close for how they've been at Lambeau. I'm going to say thirty-eight twenty-four. Uh, kind of the same deal. I think it'll be close for a while, and I think the Packers will pull away. Hopefully we're both right, or one of us are right. I don't think we can both be right. They're going to have to score one of them. <laughs> uh, hopefully the Packers can keep this rolling, and uh, we'll see what happens. This is one of the most exciting and also nerve-wracking times of the year, so uh, enjoy it the best you can. For Matt and Altoona, I am Eric and Oshkosh. Thank you for joining us. Uh, real quick, uh, you can always interact with us on the Facebook page. Uh, you can go to us, Green Gold Forever, on Twitter. And finally, uh, once again on, on Friday, we'll have the Green and Gold Forever preview on KZ Radio. in Appleton and the Fox Cities, 104.3 in Green Bay, anywhere in the world at MyKZRadio.com. I'm sure they'll have some sweet jams, hopefully some John Cougar Melon Camp this week. That'll be fun. Um, And that's all I got. So happy new year. Take care, everyone.